We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the NFL Week 3 episode of Talking Yang. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. Breaking down the week, uh, looking forward to ahead to Week 4, and uh, just ranting a bit, probably. Uh, we want to thank this uh, Fanball for sponsoring this podcast, and they are affiliated with the NFFC, and we all know we love doing stuff with them. So thank you for the sponsorship. Uh, Chris, how was your week three? It was really good, except for one thing. And that's pretty obvious. It has to be Survivor, right? Yeah. It's not even that bad. I didn't lose because we all lost, but there were 10 people left in the beam pool. Your $100 is safely uh, stored in that pool right oh now, God, Jeff. It's, it's so gone again. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so funny. I'm pretty good at Survivor, but not in that pool. Uh, he, with Shu and I together, and we're just like the worst combo. He's dragging you down. You know, it's it's a big problem for us in the staff league and a lot of places. But you know, and sometimes you just you just got to bear it. But in this case, I'm solo, and I was one of ten survivors heading into week three. And what happened in week two is all of us took the Rams except one guy. The eleventh guy took the Redskins, and he got bounced. And it was the right play to take a team other than the Rams since we were on the Rams, and the Rams could have lost in week two, but they didn't. They won thirty-four nothing. And the fact that the Rams won so decisively and that the other guy got bounced, I thought, you know what? These guys are going to think that's the lesson learned and they're going to all take the Vikings. So I took the Jaguars and sure enough, I found out because it locks on Friday that they all took the Vikings. And I was like, great, this is great. Jaguars, they'll probably both win. I'm taking a little risk, but 
if for some reason the Vikings did lose, I can win the two grand right then and there. So I'm in a good mood. Happy that I, I made that right judgment call. Once it's at 90% and you're the only one taking the other team, it's clearly the right call. And so of course the Vikings start getting crushed and it's at the point where, you know, they're not coming back, but I have the Jaguars and they're tied at six. And I swear that, that last drive that the Titans did, it was like most of the quarter it was like a 10 minute drive and it was death by a thousand cuts. It was like a five yard run from Henry, a two yard run from Henry, a four yard pass from Mariota, a four yard run from Henry, a scramble for six yards, a penalty. I mean, it was just like, it was not, it was death by a thousand cuts and they, they got it down to like three, four minutes, kicked the field goal and the Jaguars punted away on fourth and three or something in their own territory, which I knew was a mistake because the Titans offense would just get first downs and just wearing them out. Yeah. And so I had, I had the grade set up, but just like those other nutless monkeys, I am one of 10 people still alive again. So just as a, you know, for the podcast, I made that the first rewatch, uh, after our show today, just to get it out of the way, actually, it, you know, there's the, is the whole game was the death by a thousand paper cuts, both sides. You know, I don't think Bortles had one attempted pass beyond 20 yards beyond, down beyond the line of scrimmage. They, there was, it was all dink and dunk. Whatever they, did they, it was like the complete opposite of the New England game. It's like they didn't learn a damn thing. Or they, they like you can understand why they'd be aggressive against New England and conservative against the team with Gabbard and then an injured Mariota. But they overlearned both lessons. They were too aggressive against New England. They were doing crazy stuff at the end of the game when they should have just done the standard run at the clock at some point. And then against Tennessee, they were just so conservative. And I, I get it. You punt with ten, with your defense, give it back to Tennessee's offense, but. Yeah, they didn't even. It seemed like they didn't even attempt any downfield throws. And why would you sink down to their level? You know, you, you just lit up the Patriots. You have Keelan Cole. You have Westbrook is explosive. Moncrief is your new free agent signee, who's a, a size speed guy. Yeah, you didn't have Fournette, but I mean, why would you? Why would you dumb it down to their level and give them a a fifty fifty chance to win the game? Why wouldn't you just show that you were the better team? Yeah, exactly. And it was the whole game. Nothing downfield at all. I mean, Bortles got pressured a couple of times, but he was airmailing guys a little early, even like 15-yard patterns. He, he, he missed guys. Then uh, it, Keelan Cole had a couple of drops. The critical play in this game, though, was early. First quarter, Blaine Gabbert got sacked, fumble, uh, wiped out by a personal foul. Uh, and it was a good call. It was a helmet hit. Uh, and it wiped out the fumble, which was a big play. Get, it, Tennessee turned around and scored a, a field goal, their first field goal on that. And it got Gabbard out of the game. Mariota made a big difference with his running. They ran the read option uh. a couple of times. His scrambles helped them get out of, out of the deep out of their own zone a couple of times. You know, they also missed a field goal to end the first half. They could have had another, you know, it could have been 12-6. Could have been a massive game. Of course, then at least Jacksonville might have tried to go for a touchdown instead of punting it away. So, on this, their penultimate drive, Jacksonville had it had it second and two, twice. Like the pass rush got to uh, got got to Bortles once on a sack, another where he scrambled to only get it back to fourth and three, and they punted away from like their thirty, yeah, like two fifty left, fourth and three. Now it was defensible with three timeouts, and normally with their defense, you could justify it, but. That Tennessee had just bludgeoned them yep. on this drive, and it was like that was a mistake, right. man. You got to know when. Tennessee got a first down after that on a read option. That was game play. over. Yeah, game over. Or they punted it back with like 30 ten seconds, seconds left. But, yeah, they got yeah. the ball back with ten. Well, and yeah. here's the, here's the thing. Even our, you know, they got it with like fifteen or nineteen seconds left. Excuse right. me, but they ran one play, had a had a completion, got out of bounds. They threw a ball underneath with ten seconds left to the tight end. 
They tried to do like back-to-back hook and ladder plays. They didn't even the try to throw good. it downfield. The first hook and ladder play was pretty badass, though. I yeah, was, it was like, two laterals. It worked. It was great. But then they gave up. They didn't even once try to go beyond 20 yards. I, I just don't get it. I, I, they had no desire to throw downfield. It was a you very know, if, odd game. If they just knew what was at stake for me, I think they would have done more. You know, I mean, they, they obviously took this game lightly, and they didn't realize I could have won two grand. The, it was – yeah, it was – stupid but yeah knocking Gabbard out was really really bad because not only did Mariota scramble and make all his good plays he just didn't make any mistakes he didn't throw any picks he took a couple sacks but he was very clean like it was a very safe game and there's no way Gabbard survives that defense on the road without making a a critical back-breaking mistake fumbling getting caught throwing a pick six I mean it it's just it's tough when and, you know, whatever. I was laughing my ass off at the people who picked the Jets against the spread Thursday when Mayfield came in and totally changed the game. Yep. And the Jets people could be like, oh, I was totally right. You know, I didn't know Mayfield was going to come in and totally ruin things. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel. Like, I was like, that's bullshit. Like, I, I was going against Gabbert. I probably wouldn't have taken that in Survivor if we were Mariota. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And but guess what? You got to anticipate, and you got to anticipate. You know, it's funny. Uh, we've we've already seen confirmation Mayfield will get the start this week for the uh, Browns. They, least surprising news ever. But you know, they wanted to wait till Monday. We've got confirmation from Arizona that Josh Rosen is going to get the start going forward. Uh, not a surprise either. Um, and we got confirmation that Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. So a lot of transition. There's going to be some quarterbacks to bid on this week. Well, no, there won't be. There'll be one quarterback. Well, Bethard. To on. Yeah, C.J. Bethard is it. That's yeah. the ticket. That's it. Yeah, because Rosen's probably owned in all the uh, two quarterback leagues that we're in, and you're not going to bid on him in a single quarterback league, so that's pointless. You might bid on Mayfield in a single quarterback league, though. Oh, Mayfield? Yeah, I think Mayfield is, looks like a star. He I mean, does, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it if you – I actually have one league. It's the FSTA league, and I only had one QB. It was Garoppolo. And I'm two and one in that league. I should probably try. There's 50 bucks entry fee, but all these nutless monkeys have two QBs, the six man bench. And I'm like, you guys have two QBs on your roster. Like this is stupid. There's not much left. I hope Mayfield is available, but I only have four bucks in fab left. I'm sure someone's going to take him because everyone wants two QBs for some reason. Right. And then, um, the other guy I think that's available is Tannehill who I'd actually be fine with. It's not really my ideal number one QB, but I would, you know, it's better than, whatever else is left. I think Eli might be available, but it's just annoying. You know, I have to actually go and grub for terrible QBs on the waiver wire. I would be ecstatic to get Mayfield though. I watched that game and I thought this guy, he's already got it. I mean, he, you remember when Deshaun Watson came in last year and was like, Oh shit, this guy is ready. He's, yeah. he's got it. I think Mayfield is better. I mean, Watson has the crazy fantasy upside, but Mayfield just looks so polished, so sharp so um, aware in the pocket and able to scramble and move, not like Deshaun Watson entirely, but everything you need to just, you know, get out, get out of harm's way and make a a positive play. I I think he's going to be a star right away. I think the Browns, I know this is going to sound like crazy talk, but with uh, the Steelers stumbling, we'll see what happens in Tampa. They're barely favored. They could even win that division. I mean, the Ravens are decent too, but but with Mayfield, suddenly it's a team. It's You're forgetting it's just, a certain team south of them in the same state. Yeah, I know the Bengals. I, I mean, Bengals the Bengals are, are two and one. The Bengals are two and one. The Browns are what one, one and one. Yeah. So the Bengals are half a game ahead of them. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just saying that. Yeah, they could. They are in the. Yeah, they. It's not unrealistic. Here I go with double negatives again. It's realistic to suggest that they could win it. How about that? Yeah, I, I just think when you get a quarterback who. 
we'll see how good he is. It's just one game against the Jets, but he seemed to me to be top 12, top 10 quarterback right now. And with upside as, as the season goes on, you get someone like that. It just revolutionizes the whole team. I mean, it helps the defense. It just gets, keeps the drives going, keeps the defense off the field and they upgraded the defense by a wide margin already. So it's yeah, defense is legit. Really, and that's the thing that bugs me a little bit is the groundwork was kind of laid out for Dorsey. And then he kind of walks in and, Oh, I'll take Mayfield. That's what, but Sachi Brown was going to do the same thing. And he built this defense basically, uh, you know, they, they added Denzel Ward and that was a big pick too. Uh, but I mean, the fact is the pieces were in place for him and he just kind of well, yeah, gets you to get, do the finishing touch and he well, brought get, in Terod Taylor. And that, that's already a failure. He, he didn't even need to do that. That was a mistake. But it's funny because, yeah, when you get back-to-back number one overall and both of them seem to be as real deal as these two guys seem to be, yeah, that transforms your team overnight. That is a massive, massive difference. The only thing they could really use is like a, a really big physical outside receiver who can go deep. Yeah, I, I can't if, think of who they might. Where you find one of those? I don't know. It's tough to find those. It's really hard. I mean, I doubt you'd find one in the fifth round next year, but we'll see. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to find a, a pass rusher in Oakland. It's really hard to find. Yeah, but at least the Raiders got two first rounders for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But I mean, they gave Gordon away out of spite. Yeah, I know. It, it was uh, oh, last all. But you know what? We don't know exactly what happened there. Gordon may have been positioning himself to get out too, for all we know. And it's just the time to stay in though with Mayfield taking over. I mean, I love Jarvis Landry right now. I have Jarvis Landry, like in the top 10 receivers, he, he's just going to go crazy with Mayfield, a guy who's accurate and is going to, you know, the ball is going to be there when he runs his proper route and he turns around, the ball's going to be right there. Right. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a big year for Landry if he stays healthy. Yeah. The only other gripe I have with Cleveland is that you know they're Duke Johnson? How do they not use him at all? Well, it, you know it's funny they use Hyde so much, and Nick Chubb got drafted in the second round. Like what you know he has like almost no role, so everything's going to Hyde, which is kind of weird. Hyde's okay, but why do you have these other two backs? It's it right. is pretty strange. It's hurt. It's hurt. It's hurt all of them. I mean Hyde obviously is getting the most of the the run, but Duke Johnson, yeah, you know, just. I almost feel like he's the reverse image of Mike Gillisley. You know what's going to happen when he's in the game. You know, he's going to be there. He's there only in a pep, but but that's like a lot of third down backs, I guess. But he's not even in there on all third downs. And they signed him to this $15 million deal, like multi-year deal. And I just not really quite sure why they did that if they're not going to use him. Patriots Patriots signed Burkhead. The Bucks signed Cameron Brait. Who knows what these teams are thinking? I know. Especially when it's so immediate, it's not like they used him a lot in, the, in week one and it didn't work. No, they they signed him, they signed Hyde, they drafted Chubb. I mean, do two of those, not all three of those things. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. All right, uh, Arizona switching to Rosen. He threw that pick late, but whatever. I mean, I think that was on fourth down. He threw that pick, right? Right. Right, and it was under a lot of pressure, I mean, and I'm not even I'm not even that mad about it. I mean, Bradford had three, like, two and three quarters game uh, games to kind of show what he's going to do, and I think his, his upside's pretty tapped. Now, I think there's more problems in Arizona than just Bradford. I think the offensive line's kind of lousy. Uh, I think that's a big problem. I think the play calling's terrible too. David Johnson's still not getting that much work, Chris. 
Well, I mean, it's hard for a running back to get work when you don't sustain drives. Because yeah, that's true. That you know, if a drive is twelve plays, the running back can be in on six of them. If the drive is four plays, he's in on one or two of them. And so, you know, there you go. There's there's four plays per possession. You get how many possessions per game? You get what six? So seven? I don't know. Depending on whether there's a pick six or something, you get a few possessions. And if half of those possessions are three and outs, not only is he not getting more carries per possession, but he's obviously not gaining anything during the possession. So he's not getting good stats. Then the team gets behind. They should throw to him more. I mean, there's no reason not to throw to him if they're behind. I mean, he's their main guy, but you know, everything's just kind of blown up. I'm sure the teams are keying on him and they're not moving the ball. So right. it's hard to say. What, what do you think about the idea that Fitzgerald is done? Like he's old. He's a little banged up. Christian Kirk just got, had a big day. And, uh, you know, now you have Rosen who's probably played more since they're both rookies, you know, played more with him in, in the summer. Whereas, you know, Fitzgerald was playing with Bradford in the first team and that this is the beginning of the end. He's 35 years old. I mean, I mean, you know, the, bolt, Andre, the bell tolls for everyone, but yeah. I'd hesitate to call him done just because I know he had the hamstring injury coming into this week and you don't want to judge him when he's not at, you know, full but capacity, but well, maybe that's the problem. Get, yeah. Maybe he won't be at full capacity that much anymore either. It'll take him longer to get to full capacity. He'll get more nagging injuries. He'll, it'll be less and less worth it to get to the point where he would be at full capacity. I don't know. I, I mean, he's you know, reinvented I, I, himself in a way that Andre Johnson couldn't that Marvin Harrison couldn't. So well, I'm hesitant to co- declare him done. He did temporarily. So what, what happened with Andre Johnson, he came to the Colts and I was like, okay, he's going to go nuts. But we already saw the decline in, in, in uh, Houston before he left. And we thought, no, no, no. People were like, Andre Johnson was like a top 20 receiver that year. Mm-hmm. And he just totally, he, he didn't have it anymore. And he retired. And we'll see with Fitzgerald. It's obviously premature to say it's a fact or something, or it's likely, but, this is how usually it ends. You don't usually go out like Mariano Rivera getting 42 saves, being unhittable, and then just retire of your own volition. That's true. That is true. I mean, and, and it does, you know, the bell does toll for everyone. So it could be it. I don't know. I'm not, like, going to do anything. I don't own it. Any- See, the thing is, it's not actionable for me. I don't have them anywhere. So nor, I'm just going to not trade for him. Okay, fine. You got to short him. You got to <laughs> trade shares of him that you don't have. <laughs> exactly. And then when it's time to acquire those shares, they'll be cheaper. Right. Um, so no, I, yeah, that's the thing is if you own them, eh, you're not going to get anything for them. Now that's the tough part. So maybe, maybe Rosen looks very often towards him too, though. That's the other thing. Oh, he's a veteran and he's going to catch everything. The first time Kirk drops something, who knows, maybe he turns to fits a lot more. We'll see. Uh, I, but maybe Rosen throws the ball downfield more than Bradford does. That's the thing you got to look forward to and hope that that opens things up for Johnson. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's a long season. They got to, you know, the rational human beings, they got to find ways to be creative to get Johnson more targets in the passing game. Period. It just shows you, though, how dependent, especially running backs, are on the rest of their team. Yep. David Johnson put up a historic fantasy year. He was so good. He had 20 touchdowns. He had 80 catches. He had like close to 2,000 yards from scrimmage or something like that. And this year he's, you know, he's almost worthless. I mean, he's not worthless, but he's, you know, he's not even like a top 15 back Todd Gurley year one versus Todd Gurley year two. Right. That's exactly. And he's looking like Todd Gurley year two. Does that By the mean, way, Todd Gurley? Yeah. I love Todd Gurley. I just, I have him a couple leagues and it's like, 
it's just modest. It's like a hundred yards, a touchdown, five catches for 50. And that's not even a big deal. That's not even anything special for him. Right. Just every week. That's we floor. Get there. I, I, yeah. It's just, it's just a normal day for him. And I'm like, this is great. This, this guy is the best guy to have in fantasy. It's really funny because when you drafted first in your uh, NFPC online, NFFC online, you're like, yeah, I didn't really want the pick. But as it turns out, that was a massive difference this year. Massive. If you got the second or third pick, you took Bell or Johnson. How upset are you right now? Sucks. Right. At four, you might have got Zeke. I would have taken maybe Barkley or Zeke. Barkley you'd be okay fine. with. But yeah. oh, Barkley's been – I think Barkley is almost girly. The only real difference – I think Barkley's better than girly as a player. I know that people are going to call me a homer for that, but, you know, whatever. Bring it. I don't care. Um, but but the situation is so good for Gurley. Of course, I would take Gurley over him in fantasy. Even yeah. though Barkley, the sky, I mean, the, the stratosphere is the limit with him. He's just, if you watch him play, he is so good. He makes so many people miss. He, he breaks so many tackles. He's 240 pounds, and he's super fast, and he accelerates really quickly. So if he just gets the ball and he deeks one guy, and the blocking is not very good on the Giants. The Rams offensive line is much better. And he, he can take the ball outside so quickly and turn the corner and head upfield and outrun safeties. You know, they'll be running with them along the sideline and he's accelerating past them. He is a monster. It is just amazing. And I, I tell you, I, I know I'm going to repeat the stupid Twitter poll and you're going to get annoyed, but basically I, I, I did a Twitter poll saying, will the giants regret taking Barkley over Sam Darnold? And it was hell no, no doubtful or process. And the results were that most people said, hell no, then no, then process. And last was doubtful. Previously on Chris list reads his own tweets. We heard that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, but that's how strongly I feel about Barkley over Darnold. Okay. So noted. I, I yeah, Barkley over Darnold. And so speaking of the jets, you know, and you're talking about systems, this all ties together. You know, the, the Steelers will let it be known apparently on Sunday, at least it was reported on Sunday that the, uh, the Steelers are willing to trade Lev Bell. Well, yeah, go figure because he's not going to play for you. You don't. He doesn't want to play for you. The the relationship is fractured permanently here. Uh, but in the Jets is what I heard today as the team that's really making. Why a bid for on it. earth would the Jets do that? That makes no sense. Because they think they can go for it. They see they see the Pats as weak. I don't know. Maybe maybe they feel like this is that Bell is that much of a difference maker, or it's just a rumor and it's not confirmed. Um, and that, that could be it too. But I was thinking, you know, it's, you're not going to get the Lev bell with the Steelers version. You're going to get a very good, ba- a very good back and a eh, system. Yeah. But I mean, Crowell is fine and Bilal Powell is pretty good. Like what, I mean, what happens there? They give one of those guys back to the Steelers or something in the trade. I have no idea, dude. I have no idea. I mean, not that like Bilal Powell, you know, God forbid Bilal Powell not get any run, but it just doesn't make any sense. Those two guys are not the problem for the Jets. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, you're just breaking in a rookie quarterback. I mean, Robbie Anderson needs to not fumble. That would help, too. And getting really frustrated owning him. That's that's one uh, residual of not doing <laughs> the show on Fridays. I didn't get to rant on him. I didn't think about ranting about him on the show today. Uh, but he's definitely a problem now. I, I can't start him with any confidence. Yeah, I had to sit him. I, I only started him in the Stopa League because I was I just don't have the spots. I'd have to drop him if I wasn't going to start him. Right, you league. can't drop him. I mean, you almost can drop him now, though, after that game because he fumbled twice in a row. They did go back to him on the final drive for a short pat, catch, which I actually liked, also because it gave me like a point, which I needed. But uh, that that's one good thing. But 
but Darnold sucks. He only has eyes for Anunua. That's the only guy he really throws to. And occasionally prior, but now Jermaine curse got involved. Fucking Jermaine curse. Just go away. I mean, that dude came back. I thought, Oh, he's hurt. Okay. He's done. We can cross him off. Nope. Jermaine curse is now like the number two target. And we want guys stayed crossed off. Yes. I'm with you on that. You want We have this, uh, like we have this tree. It's nice. It's narrow. It's pruned. Don't grow these new branches. That was just stupid because I have lots. I have no one, unfortunately, because he is definitely the guy and he looks good. He looks like a, a monster when he catches the ball. So that's fine. I mean, throw to him. It's the right call to throw to him, but I have a lot of Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is six three. He's only one ninety, but he runs a four three three. He's one of the fastest receivers in the league, and he always makes big plays. Even when Bryce Petty filled in a quarterback, he made big plays. Right, Just fucking throw the ball down the field to him, and then Pryor has looked good. And Pryor six four two twenty five runs a four four. He is a athletic monster. So between him and Nunwa and Robbie Anderson, that is just a ridiculously athletic set of receivers. It's actually the most athletic trio of receivers of all time. I'm pretty sure. And then you got to bring in veteran 30 year old Jermaine curse. Who's just average size and speed and just make him the guy. I mean, come on. Well, it's just Darnold. Two things have happened to Darnold's not throwing it downfield that much. Also, no, he's not. And that hurts Anderson's game. Remember at draft season, what we were worried about with Anderson was not on the field. Everything we were worried about, it was, is he going to get suspended? That was hanging over him. That was the concern. That's what dropped his price. Not not whether he'd produce. It's really weird how that's kind of worked out that way. Um, fumbles are unfortunate, and that yeah. just you know that's just doghouse stuff. Who knows if it's a thing or just random bad luck? But I mean, I I just don't have faith in Darnold. I just don't think he's good. I just don't think he's good. I I, I can't. Not that I'm like Mr. Scout, but even that the first game against the Lions where he had ostensibly a great game, especially for his first game. Just watching him play, I'm like, this guy is herky-jerky. He's hurried. He throws the ball way too hard for short passes. He just didn't He just didn't look the part to me, whereas Mayfield was so smooth. He, Mayfield looked like Joe Montana out there. I was like, Jesus, this guy is like knows exactly what to do. He's totally calm. He's totally aware of the clock. He's totally aware of the situation. He came in and just flat dominated. And then the contrast between him and Darnold was stark. It was, that, it was stark in college. If you look at Darnold's last game in college, it was the bowl game against Ohio State, and he was shell-shocked in this game. Ohio State smashed them. Now, you could argue that USC's offensive line was a big failure in this, and you'd be right a little bit, but if you're a transcendent quarterback, you don't look shell-shocked like that. Right. Um, and he did. He really did. It reminds me of uh, of uh, Paxton Lynch uh, his last, in his bowl game, with Memphis, same thing uh, against Florida State. And granted, you're a non-major uh, school facing Florida State in a bowl game, but he got just obliterated in that game. I'm like, no, I understand you're up against it. The odds are against you, but truly great quarterbacks, first-round quarterbacks, the guys that you're going to build your franchise around, they don't look overwhelmed. They hold their own at the very least. And I'll tell you, Darnold did not hold his own. And there were many other games at, in his career at USC where he also was turnover prone, made mistakes, did not handle pressure well. So I'm not surprised. And I'm not going to write him off. It's three games in his career. And he's finished. He's done. He's done. No more, no more Bushwood. He's out of the league. I, I, on the XM show, I said he's out of the league in four years. When, when Barkley's in the Hall of Fame, Darnold's out of the league in four years. <laughs> I remember that. And some guy tweeted, you want to make a bet that he's out of the league in four years? No, it's hyperbole, dude. Just relax. He's, he'll, I mean, he'll, he'll get three years just by virtue of pedigree. He does absolutely nothing. Right. Christian Ponder got three years. You know, Blaine Gabbard's still around. He's going to get four years. But 
I mean, he just looks terrible to me. And I don't know about Rosen because you know I, I don't watch a lot of college, and he didn't really we didn't see much of him. But Josh Allen's the other story this week. I mean, Josh Allen came in and he was kind of mocked by a lot of the uh, the scouting types liked him because he's you know athletic, he's got a cannon for an arm, he's big, he looks like a quarterback. And, but they were like, oh, this guy's nowhere close to ready. The, the Bills didn't apparently think so because Nathan Peterman, who's arguably the worst quarterback of all time, <laughs> was given the starting job for you know one game. And then they realized, okay, we can't put this product on the field. It doesn't matter what, whether we're competing or not. And then Allen looked okay against the Chargers. You know, he made mistakes, but he looked like, okay, this the rookie quarterback. He looks okay. And I didn't watch that much of the game. I did see the, the highlight where he hurdled the, uh, the DB in Minnesota, which was ridiculous you know, athleticism, he scored two rushing touchdowns and played a great game at Minnesota. Are you buying that this is not only that, you know, maybe he's a viable, obviously in a QB flex, like you're going to have to have Allen, but he's, he's a viable guy, like in the next few years of being your number one quarterback that he will pan out into somebody good. I'm a skeptic because there's a lot of things I think he's still raw about, but I mean, I like him better than Darnold now. Um, uh, is that damning fake praise? Here. But I, it might be. But I, I, you, you squint, you can see a future there. I mean, Buffalo's got to do a lot of things to get built around him. They're kind of going the opposite of the Cleveland route. They're they're finding their quarterback and they're going to build around him. Whereas Cleveland wanted to build around him and then we'll put the quarterback on top. I don't know which is the better strategy. I kind of think Cleveland's is, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Cleveland. Well, they did take Miles Garrett last year instead of. Who could they have taken? They could have taken Trubisky or Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. And they, 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 they traded and they traded the pick for Carson Wentz the year before that, remember. So as right. has been and reminded us millions of times. Uh so right. and everybody was crushing them for that, but if Mayfield is better than all those guys, I mean Carson Wentz is a high bar to clear because right. even even Rusty and not really putting up great numbers, you still saw like the crazy escapability, athleticism, just presence. Carson Wentz is, is really good. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he absolutely is. Hey, we got to take a quick break to announce for a sponsor here, Kalo, the functional wedding ring. Kalo is the name in silicon wedding rings. Kalo rings are designed to ensure your hands are safe and comfortable in the workplace, the gym, the outdoors, and everywhere in between. Unlike a traditional metal wedding ring, Kalo rings allow you to keep your ring on in times where a traditional metal wedding ring would need to be removed. Kalo rings allow people to live their lives safely and comfortably while still representing their commitment to their spouse and family. Kalo has created a special code for our listeners. Use code ROTOWIRE at checkout to get 20% off your order. Kalo is the choice of firefighters, military, law enforcement, carpenters, electricians, and mechanics for everyday wear. True story, I have a golf buddy who wears something like that. I, I think it's a Kalo one when we golf. A uh, little known fact, he's a former uh, policeman, so there you go. Available in 18 different styles and over 50 colors, Kalo is the preferred ring of pro athletes. NFL players Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, Jordy Nelson, and Derek Carr, NBA MVP Steph Curry and LeBron James, and MLB All-Stars Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant all trust Kalo on and off the field. Visit Kalo.com, and don't forget to use code ROTOWIRE at checkout for 20% off your order. All right, Chris. So after discussing the rookie quarterbacks, I want to talk a little bit about uh, another game, Denver-Baltimore. I've been I, I've done the rewatch on that one, and that's another one where I'm doing the Lord's work for you here, too, uh, because it is not scintillating classic. Denver left so many things on the field here they this first half i mean there, there's countless opportunities they had that block field goal uh where they you know they just smothered the field goal attempt tucker had no chance the guy leaped the line untouched and like smothered the kick it was brought back for a touchdown 
But that there was some like cheesy block in the back, and it was really weak. They called back the touchdown, so they had the ball instead, like around the thirty-five of Baltimore. On the like the subsequent play, there was a sack and a fumble, which led to the Philip Lindsay punching a guy in the pile thing. Next thing you know, they're back at their fifty, and they have back at the fifty, not their fifty, the fifty, and had to punt. You know, you turn seven points into zero. It was just, it was ridiculously a ridiculous turn of events. Um, and then, like, there was another play later on the, in the first half. Sutton drops a ball. Cortland Sutton drops a ball. Thirty-five seconds left. Instead of converting a first down and they're deep in their own territory, they had to punt it with thirty-five seconds left. And Tucker got another fifty-two yarder. So all of a sudden, you know, it was like a ten-point swing just on two plays. Yeah, didn't they get another uh, touchdown on like a block punt or something though early? They, they there was a, yeah very first series block punt there was right. a, they got a sack Flacco on second and eight and then they they smothered a punt got it like around the six and ran it in the next play right so it's like they got one out of two you know yeah. I mean that's all just junk and I'm pissed because Tucker is so good and it goes as a miss for him yeah and I got him in all these leagues I mean I'm glad he got that 52 yarder he's just so good that guy I love Justin Tucker but I don't know I mean that. And they should have had a block field goal touchdown. Maybe it was a, a crap call, but you know that kind of stuff is just total junk. It is. It's total junk. But it, it was just like to me, it was one of those weaker play, weaker penalties again. It's just a, yeah. and that's a growing theme in this season too. And usually they're all centered on the roughing the passer penalty. So this one was a little different. But the other thing that's just driving me crazy is all these roughing calls, and nobody wants this. Nobody. The only people that want this are people are, are some quarterbacks, but not even the quarter. I think the the quarterbacks are embarrassed too. Like, uh, yeah, um, I got to be protected or something like that. But not, it, it the NFL seems to find ways to seek out what the fans don't want and do more of it. Yep, well, we're going to defend this call. This is a teaching moment, Clay Matthews. Two weeks in a row, they showed the slow mo this week on Matthews' penalty. Uh, Matthews penalty. He is bracing himself with his arm to make sure he doesn't use his his weight doesn't come down on Alex Smith, and they still called something on him. It was ludicrous. Even a Redskin was saying, "Yeah, well, that's not a penalty." Yeah, I mean it's a teaching moment, but a teachable moment. But Matthews isn't learning because he's doing the same thing every week. So, but this was different. A- he actually did. He he somehow contorted his body. To brace the fall so his weight doesn't come down on Smith. Still gets the penalty. There was a yeah, Miami player you, the le- that tried lesson, to do the same thing. The lesson thing. that's being learned is if you got a shot at the quarterback and you got to go after him. Just take it. <laughs> just take a real shot. You know, And a lot of times a really hard shot's not called if you, know, you don't come down with them on your weight. Like you may as well just blast the guy, though. You know? and, and, just, and just say, you know what? I'm just going to be as rough as possible. And so, if you call, if you're going to call a penalty, which is kind of arbitrary, I've earned, I've earned, got my shot in, you know. So that's that's what he should do. That's the lesson that he should be learning from this. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's it's really embarrassing sometimes seeing some of these. I, I just nobody wants this. It's 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 affecting games, and I I, I think it's like almost part of this nefarious scheme because then they find ways to find these defensive players and oh. There's another twenty thousand here, twenty thousand there, and all adds up. I don't know. You I mean, think that? I I think that I, I don't know. I, I think the ostensible reason to do it is Rodgers missed the season last year. Yeah, that's Brady the real missed reason. it that one year, and it's sort of like that's their marketing, right? Rodgers, Brady, Peyton at the time, all right. these guys that they can market, and I I think you know Wentz got hurt also last year. I think that. I mean, they don't care about really anything except the what's gonna 
benefit the, the the game financially pretty much. So they think probably, you know, every year it's such a war of attrition. And when the Eagles lost Wentz last year, it was like, oh, they're done. And it was kind of crazy that they won the Super Bowl. It was really kind of an amazing run with their backup quarterback. But um, I wonder if they're just like, we just don't want to have Brady and Breeze get hurt. And then the guys in the, the Super Bowl are like, you know, Blake Bortles and, you know, God knows who. It almost then, was Bortles Foles. Or Keenum, right, it was almost or, 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 or Keenum, Keenum Bortles, if you want to have it. Either, you know, right, either way. that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and maybe they're like, that's a nightmare, and that only happens because Rogers is hurt, and because, you know, whatever. I mean, that's not why it would have happened. That they would it would have happened because um, the Jaguars beat Brady. But they're like, maybe they're thinking the only way the Jaguars beat Brady is because they can get rough. So because their defense is good, and let's gut these defensive teams. And, and the only way Minnesota showcase. got that far is Rodgers got hurt, and that ruined their season. Yeah, right. I, I see it. Let's gut these teams. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's that nefarious and conscious, but that to me would be the only reason behind it. I mean, they don't give a shit about any of these people. There's, the quarterback's no more important than a lineman in terms of what's important for the players, right? I mean, it's not really protecting very many players, this rule. It's only protecting quarterbacks. So why would you protect quarterbacks? Well, because the quarterbacks are sort of the, the money makers in the game. Yeah. There was a Miami lineman that actually got hurt trying not to put his weight on the, the the quarter on the on Derek Carr and I think he like tore his ACL in the process like cuz he landed he was like so landing bad. awkwardly oh, all that and I saw that story coming across today too so and of course I'm saying Miami lineman I'm not saying his name he's a generic guy in the NFL right he's just a generic yeah, that that, that illustrates player. the point right if it's not like Cameron Wake or somebody he's a throwaway player we don't know who he is yeah, and that's totally unfair. Um, and but that that really does illustrate the point of what the NFL cares about. Uh, and for a while, it's William Hayes, by the way, is the guy that tore his ACL trying to do that. Uh, and he had two sacks in as many weeks. He was a good player, and now he's uh, not done for the season, and yep. that really sucks. So there you go. I think for all this shit, I mean, you know, Garoppolo tore his ACL trying to you know, steal a couple extra yards rather than go out of bounds. Right. Had nothing to do with a legal. He actually did take a little pop on the helmet, but he was the one initiating it. It seemed yeah. like at the sideline the damage had already been but, done when he tried but to make the, that yeah, cut. That was yep. irrelevant. Right. And he wasn't concussed. He just tore his ACL. So, I mean, it's amazing that, that the Niners, but I don't know if you saw this tweet, but they're descending into barbarism for after they lost their quarterback. Did you see that? They got savage after all. Oh my god! No, gosh. no, they were they were they, there was a rumor that they're bringing him in for like a tryout or something. Okay, well, I joked about that on air today. I was a, I was the one you that did. suggested that. I didn't believe you. I didn't think they descended to total barbarism just from losing their quarterback. But you know, civilization is held together by a thin thread, and maybe that thread was uh, Garoppolo's ACL. Yeah, it, it, it's all in supervised. Well, just you can do whatever you can to light up super volcanoes, speed up the process, reboot the reboot the planet. Yeah, we need a reboot. And that was it. That was the end of it. So that's just, you know, that's such a, you know, they were talking about trading Lev Bell, as we mentioned. And I was thinking, oh, the Niners would be a perfect destination. I mean, that, what a great system. And now that's not even remotely on the table. Josh Gordon, Lev Bell, both should have been there. If they had done that, Absolutely. this would not have happened. No, it wouldn't have. have. Then he would and not have been felt compelled to get that extra yard. He's like, no, I've got playmakers. I don't need to get that extra yard. I, I'll go out of bounds. Yeah, the whole course of history for the team would have been different. Every play would have been different. But I was say I was making the joke that McKinnon owners should feel better now, knowing that no, the team wasn't going to be good anyway. That that thing you envisioned where McKinnon was going to have like a hundred catches and score twelve touchdowns that was never going to happen. Don't you see? 
I knew you were going to go back to that joke. By yes. the way, I, you know I have a few that I keep going back to. That's you go you to the me. whip. You just kind of keep going to that whip. You're going to get that laugh somewhere. Is going to someone's well, going to give most you that people laugh. think that if you overtell the joke, you know you kill it. But I'm the opposite. I think the more you tell it, it finally catches on. Yeah, you beat that dead horse. That's fine. Um, okay. Uh, what else uh, caught your eye? I know you do, did the week one reactions, observations. Uh, I, I, one thing I noticed a little bit is that we've, you know, sometimes these linebacker injuries matter a little bit. That we always tend to look at the, um, something, you know, a lot of other positions where a certain injury, a certain absence makes a big difference, but linebackers are often fungible. But that's not been the case with the Cowboys. Sean Lee gets hurt. Chris Carson gets over 100 yards now. He wasn't very efficient in doing so. But, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big absence for the Cowboys. The Bengals, they were down two linebackers. Burfecht, who's, who they've been without, and then Preston Brown. And I think, you know, Carolina really exploited that with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and I think that might be a big deal against Atlanta next week, too. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of these positions that are fungible, when it's mo- more than one, it makes a really big difference sometimes. Yep, that too. Because you're not just sinking down one level, you're sinking down two levels, or you're sinking down one level for two different guys, and then that gets exploited, the other team knows about it. I don't know, it's very complex. Like These are complex systems, teams. It, it's like Jenga, right? You pull one of the pieces out and nothing happens, but if you pull the wrong piece out, the whole thing collapses. And it's, it's hard to know what the wrong piece is. There, there's teams that, there's one year the Texans lost J.J. Watt. I don't think it was last year. I think it was a few years ago. And we thought the defense would be terrible, and it was actually still pretty good without him. And sometimes you, you pull a piece you think is going to collapse the tower, but it doesn't. Sometimes you pull a piece that you think is irrelevant, and it collapses the tower right. because they were very fragile at that position, or it just allowed like some weakness to be exploited. But very hard to know. It's very hard to know that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Denver and Baltimore. Adam Jones. Pac-Man Jones is out. Okay, it's like he's a pretty decent corner. But, no, they had this untested rookie, Isaac Yadam, who uh, was on the field a lot. And Joe Flacco kept going after him uh, time after time after time. They found where he was on the field when they were going at the three wideouts. And it works. You know, you, you know, the ball finds you, especially in a situation like that. And, yeah, I know it's cliche-ridden to say that. But, um it's it that's one of the things about the NFL that you can't really anticipate as much sometimes is these little things matter and teams are experts at pointing that out uh at illustrating that at, at some more than others that. yeah some are some are not experts and hey that's you know maybe they have their own weaknesses that are getting exploited first and that's what this game is about sometimes and we don't realize that we think it's oh, oh it's about this this you know this they've got this guy this guy this guy how can they get stopped no it's just one little weakness that it's, it's your uh, Jenga theory. It's your tiny hole in the dike theory um, that, that causes this big leak. And some teams can find that. Others can't. Yeah. I, I was watching this Brian Baldiger. Uh, he does these little yeah, I've seen those. Re- recaps of plays on Twitter. And he was talking about how Eli and the Giants ran this play to Sterling Shepard. And they did all this stuff. And Shepard kind of comes out in the pattern. And he's, and he's open. And Eli, he's like, and watch. And Eli sticks it right in there. And I watched the throw. And it's behind Shepard. And I'm like, <laughs> and I want to. I mean, Shepard caught it because he was open, but he's running, you know, across the field, across the for, formation, I guess, across like you know, behind the linebackers, running across toward the sideline. And instead of leading him, he throws it sort of away from the sideline, so Shepard catches it by kind of turning around, turning his back, and then he's got to catch, turn around, and then head back upfield. And of course, that slows you down rather than a ball that's thrown in stride. 
But then I saw that he actually got tackled by the outside defense. At first, I was going to be like, yeah, but look, even, even on this pattern, Eli you know, threw it behind him. But the guy who tackled him was actually the guy nearer the sideline, a cornerback coming from the sideline. So maybe if Eli leads him, that cornerback can jar the ball loose. Right. And maybe throw, throwing the ball away from the sideline where he had to stop and turn was sort of like that back shoulder. It was kind of a back shoulder, but toward the And allowed the field. him to shield the ball from getting hit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it was, the guy wasn't that close really. So like, you know what, but it was just, maybe he just kind of was aware of the, where everybody was. And he was like, okay, if I throw it behind him just ever so slightly, I'm probably giving Eli way too much credit, but it'll just make him able to catch the ball and you might slow him down, but it's the safest, best place to put it. So I wasn't sure. So I didn't, I didn't mock Eli on that play, but that's the kind of thing. Sometimes you think, you know, but maybe, you know, you don't know, maybe they're, they're accounting for more things than you realize. That's right. That's right. And that's there. There is a level of expertise that's out there, and there's people like Baldinger who put in the work, and then there's others who don't, and that just pass. Others it like us. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but but you know, have the nuanced eye too. Know what to look for. That's right. the other thing. I'm not saying for sure though that that was a good throw. I'm just saying that it occurred to me before commenting that the tackle came from where the ball would have been, toward where the ball would have been had he led him, and he just. We, we don't know everything. I don't want to, I don't want to imply that Eli's playing 11 dimensional chess. It's just that there's a measure of uncertainty when we critique these players and coaches so mercilessly, you know, like last week I wrote about this in the East coast offense about how we, we mocked Dirk cutter so much and he was doing these nutless monkey punts, uh, you know, and, and not going front on fourth and one, but he said, yeah, over the long haul that works, but over the short haul, you know, but we don't have the long haul. This is just this one right. game and it could fail. And yeah, like, it's the wrong, it's a negative EV call, but you know, if you're going to get fired, if you make a couple of those, maybe the game theory is to, you know, absorb some negative EV calls and do some other positive EV stuff and other aspects of the game and get some wins. And then, you know, maybe when you're tenured, like Bill Belichick or something, you can go for fourth and one more. Or if you have, if you have a brand new GM, who's a new school guy and states to him unequivocally, right. I want you to make the long haul decisions. Your job is safe as long as the process is right. right. Yep. Then, okay, That's, fine. Doug Peterson is an example of that with the Eagles. Yeah, that is right. That is, that is absolutely right about that. Okay. Um, got another uh, ad here real quick. Let's talk about the new daily fantasy site, Fanball, for a second. The number one issue I hear from people who try DFS is that it's almost impossible to win for the casual player. Too many sharks out there with 150 lineups, and you basically have no shot if you want to play a lineup or two for fun. And that's where Fanball comes in. If the name rings a bell, yes, it's the same folks behind the season-long site from back in the day. Paul Charchian, who also happens to be the president of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, has brought back the Fanball name, but this time as a DFS site and he's looking to level the playing field by enforcing low entry limits. In fact, I'm looking at the lobby right now, this very second. The most lineups anyone can have in a contest is 10. That's a huge difference maker. Plus, they also have snake drafts, which are super fun, and I'm told auctions are coming very soon as well. Head over to fanball.com slash rotowire, sign up, and make a deposit of at least 10 bucks, and we'll give you a six-month membership to Rotowire. That's Fanball.com. Thank you to Fanball for uh, sponsoring this Talking Yang podcast. Breaking news, Chris. Who says we don't break news on this podcast? We are not formulaic, but we do have breaking news. Christine Michael has been cut. Huge news. Ah. Must be that Marlon Mack is going to be good for about 10 more snaps next week then. Could be awesome. Yeah, that Colts running back situation is not great. I didn't watch the... Uh, 
much of that game. I'm surprised it was so close. I looked at the stats. I went over the stats in my review. Luck got like 4.1 YPA. I mean, he had he didn't do anything, and it's just weird that that game was even remotely as close as it was. I know the Eagles didn't do much. They didn't throw to their receivers, but Wentz had kind of a normal game, like a 6.9 YPA normal game. I'm just and no Colts running backs did anything either. No, um, just, Luck had a 33-yard run that was probably right. the biggest play in the game for them. Uh, their running game didn't do a whole lot. Naeem Hines had uh, 18 yards rushing. He had five catches for 25 yards. Yuck. Uh, Jordan Wilkins did nothing. He had you know 19 yards on six carries. T.Y. Hilton was targeted 10 times and came with, came with five catches for 50 yards. They're not throwing downfield. The, 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 see, I think the sneaky... Under the you know underreported thing is the Colts defense might not be that bad. Yeah, they played well. They they drafted a kid named Darius Leonard. He's had two huge weeks in a row now. He they moved up to get him in the second round, and everyone said that was an overdraft. Well, he had thirteen tackles and two sacks this week, along with a pass defense. The week before he forced forced a fumble. The week before that he recovered a fumble. This guy's got some juice. He's a good player. Yeah, the Browns should have taken him instead of Nick Chubb. <laughs> you know, running back. I don't know what they were thinking. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, they, obviously their defense is playing better because they beat the Redskins. They're hanging in these games with teams you would think would pull away. But Luck has done – I mean, that was 4.1 YPA. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, everyone's like, oh, Colts are going to be fun again. They have no defense and they got Luck back. Luck is back, everybody. It's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, they're just – they're like a, they're like the Jaguars. The whole division is becoming that. It might be. Uh, I'll, and this and this is and look at who they played too. They played the Bengals and the Bengals that moved the ball more than any, but they still created some havoc with Dalton uh, in week one. In week two, they go to DC and they dominated the line of scrimmage in that game. You know, Smith didn't throw downfield that much because he didn't have that whole lot of time. And Adrian Peterson had nowhere to run. Meanwhile, he was running wild against the Packers. So who knows? Um, and then this, this past week against the Eagles, I mean, they, they barely lost. They This is a decent defense. Uh, Jabal Sheard is another guy I've noticed when doing the rewatches. His name pops up a lot. Uh, so, you know, he's another guy kind of looking at as like they've got these young guys. they got a new coordinator. they got a new head coach who's another, you know, you know he's considered to be, you know, more of the new school type of head coach. So we'll see if that plays out over the Did, long didn't run. Didn't Frank Reich come from the Eagles? Wasn't that his? Wasn't um, the offensive coordinator? Or something you ask these that? questions, and I don't know the answer, and then I sound like the dumb guy. So you look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but let me—I'll look it up just while you're talking. All right, but the fact is, like, they seem to be—you know—they they seem to be on the right path, and you know, they probably had—they have a bunch of young guys. They've—they've uh, they've gotten rid of almost everybody that's, you know, was a name. You know, and I think some people some people are looking at them in the preseason like, oh, this is going to be a ticket to the carnival. They keep on cutting the people I've heard of. Well, the people you've heard of aren't that good anymore. One of them retired at halftime for the Bills in week two. You know, that you know, that's not a key loss when he can't even you when know, he doesn't belong in the field. So, you know, that they kind of have to keep that in mind. Guy name that I've heard of before doesn't necessarily equal that he's good. Right, and that, that's a hard thing for people to process. By the way, Reich was the offensive coordinator of the Eagles okay, thank you. last year. So, uh, yeah, presumably he's, he saw that things went well there when uh, Doug Peterson was allowed to make aggressive decisions and do things that seemed to be 
um, risky but logically sound, and maybe he'll be bringing that to the Colts. Certainly can't be worse than Chuck Pagano, which is the worst of the worst. Yeah. So the Colts, the Colts are in good shape if Luck can just do anything. But do you think that they're throwing short and not really extending the field because Luck is not himself, that his arm is still messed up? That they're just sort of faking it with him right now. I mean, I, I read something on Twitter that was saying like Luck. If if you think Luck will get better, fine, hold on to him in a one QB league. But if this is all he is, then then you should drop him right away. I, I read that from somebody. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I see the logic in that. Again, this is another guy. It's not. This is www.notmyproblem.com. I don't have any shares. Right. I don't have him either. I don't have him either. But he's yeah. a relevant player, and obviously it impacts T Y Hilton. I mean, where you have sure T Y Hilton. I do Hilton have some Hilton shares. Um, I do have some Ebron shares, and I used them in DFS last week. Uh, now, I'll say this. Ebron, you know, he was a disappointment, 5 for 33, but he was targeted 11 times. He, was, yeah. he, he went out on routes on 41 plays. He played a season-high 52 snaps. I'm, I'm actually going to do the uh, whole my process was right excuse this time because it was. It's just we didn't get it just did not get the downfield results. Because so, guess what? Well, the process wasn't completely right. You're right. You know, I'm gonna correct myself. Because the Eagles also knew that Ebron was gonna be frequently targeted and they limited him. Well, I mean, you could go like that forever. I mean, what what constitutes the thing you're supposed to look at? Is it the amount of targets guy gets, or is it the situation in which right. he gets the targets? And I, I just think this process stuff is garbage. Like if you trust your pro if you think your process is good, that's great. That's a personal thing for you. And keep trusting it. And if you win money from it, then you can feel good about that. But, and of course, you're just talking about your own lineup or your own DFS lineup. So that's all you were doing. But if you're touting it for somebody else and it gets yeah. it wrong, you cannot go, oh, my process was good. That's no, right. That's crap. That's and yet crap. that happens all the time. Of course. The process is a personal thing. If you trust your process, if you know what's good, then you know not to sweat a bad result. But if you're giving it to someone else who's not, you know, they're not privy to your process and they're not necessarily going to go with your process forever. You just cost that dude money period forever. You right. know? Don't, Oh, but my process is good. Who gives a shit about your process? Right. It's not relevant to the situation. If you recommended somebody, it's the I dirt cutter Albert, of DFS. What's that? It's the dirt cutter of DFS. There is no long run. You know, yeah, there is I no lost long this run. week. In fact, it's DFS. It's the exact opposite of a long run. You don't even right. get next week. You get, just get this, it right. This, this one game. That's it. Right. Let's say I have got a vibe that some guy's going to go off, and he's not you know, slated for a ton of work usually, and it's kind of a surprise, but I'm like, Wendell Largewood is going to go off today. So I, I tell people to start him, and he goes off. Like You could say, well, that was a dumb process. Clement should have got the carries. Like That didn't make any sense. Like Who are you to say that? You know, Maybe I just had a hunch. Maybe I just had a feeling. Maybe I just got lucky. You, you don't know. It's not blackjack. You can't calculate the odds. It's not poker. Oh, you hit a one-outer. You got lucky. You don't know that that was a one-outer. Stop acting like it's poker. Just because you have your own you know, system, it doesn't mean that system's actually accurate. Your system doesn't reflect reality of all these players. How about this? I, I benched. I'm desperate for wide receivers in the stake league, and I had Albert Wilson in there, oh, and I no. benched him at the last minute for uh, Terrell Williams. But Albert Wilson got like two or three targets. Now, he also threw a touchdown pass. He threw a touchdown pass, and he caught a touchdown pass, and they were both long passes. So that hurt me a lot. He's had 19 points on my bench, and my receivers scored like three points, 0.5 points, and two points, the three of them. But, you know, I mean, I was like, oh, well, I guess my process was okay. I mean, Wilson barely saw any targets, but, you know, a lot of times teams throw less and have fewer targets to go around when they're scoring 60-yard touchdowns, too. 
Anyway, it doesn't really matter. DJ Moore, Mr. uh, Not Appearing in This Picture Again, two out of three weeks. One uh, big bomb in week two, it's probably on your bench also. Um, No, he was active. Oh, he was active. Okay. You also had Ryan Grant on your bench, and he scored too. That's frustrating. Right. I mean, the problem is I have like five or six receivers because that's I'm I've Doug Baldwin hurt, and you know that was my only credible receiver. Marquise Lee was my number two. So basically, I had I had Corey Coleman and Martavis Bryant in that draft. So I've got all these receivers, and receiver is so deep this year that some of these guys go off. You know, like Grant and Wilson were good starts this week, but good luck picking which one that's going to be. You know, yeah. I have no idea. The the one thing I did that was smart was I got Adrian Peterson. So and I still have Fournette on the bench. So I just like I'm still trying to like survive, but it wasn't such a bad week for me. Yeah, yeah. You you uh, at least didn't lose any more ground in the points race. I've got OJ Howard going tonight, and also a Pittsburgh kicker. But we'll see. I need a, I need Howard to come up big. Just kind of keep pace with everybody else in points. I'm off to a decent start, but there's like eight of us in the stake bet this year too. The dynamics have kind of changed a little bit of what it takes to get by. Well, first of all, I, I'm I'm living without Fournette. I had Wentz on the bench for two weeks. I had yeah. Joey, which I didn't know. I mean, I knew a little bit. That he and then hurt. Baldwin, yeah. And then how about Joey Bosa? That's the most expensive. But you knew he was hurt. You knew he was hurt when you drafted him. No, right? no, I didn't. No, he wasn't hurt when we were drafting. No, okay, that and it happened after. No. Okay, I retract. No, the, the guy who was risky was Khalil Mack. Who? Yeah. Oops. Was unsigned. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. Why are people going crazy? He could hold he out until week seven. He scored a touchdown <laughs> in his first game. He got a pick six. That's worth like was a pick, right? So that was worth eleven right there. Right. So I, I've gotten totally screwed, but you know I'm not that far back and. If Baldwin, I, I think actually I'm going to be fine. I don't think I'm going to knock on wood, but Fournette, I haven't even had Fournette. That was my like most expensive player. Yeah, my my receivers are equally crappy. Uh, at least they were this week in the stake league. Uh, I had Thielen, which was fine, but Diggs did nothing. Robbie Anderson, Dede Westbrook did nothing. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's aggravating. Um, and just trying to get by. That's the thing. It's a 14 team league. You know, you lose a guy, a critical guy or two. It just, it really hurts. And especially, and then if you take on any risk with the suspension, which I did with Julian Edelman, shouldn't have done that. My but mistake. He's worthless in that format anyway. I just dropped him in in the Stopa half PPR because I was the only reason I didn't drop DJ Moore is because if if Goodwin couldn't have gone, I would have needed DJ Moore. I would have needed to play him. Luckily, I didn't have to do that. So when I picked up Wendell Smallwood, I actually had to drop. Edelman, because I was like, I, I picked up Greg Olson. Remember, I told you last week I wouldn't do that. I'm like, nah, I got too many dead spots with Winston and Fournette and Le'Veon Bell. I can't afford to pick up Olson. It's a two tight end league. Right. But then I saw a note on Twitter saying that he could be back after the buy because they have a buy this week, which is great. He gets a, he buys an extra week, which doesn't cost him. So he's getting healthy while he, I'm not even losing a game. I mean, obviously I have to deal with it in the in the league, but it, it doesn't cost the Panthers or, or Olson a game. And then I, I could have either, I was like, ah, oh, this is why I shouldn't have picked him up. I've got to cut him to get small. But then I was like, in a two tight end league where you have zero tight ends, total garbage, who's more valuable, Olsen or Edelman? And they're both due back the same week. Well, obviously, Olsen's way more valuable in that format. But the difference is Edelman's guaranteed to be back, whereas Olsen, it could be weeks more. I mean, that's just a rumor. And under the PL theory, like, I probably shouldn't be banking on Olsen being back week five at all. But it's just like, he's just so valuable if he does come back. Yeah, he is. He is absolutely. I, I, well, I'm the one that cut him in the Stopa League, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see when you get him back. I hope it's December. Yeah, if it's December, it's it will cost me a lot. Just a lot of, you know, moves that I didn't make. So, and I already dropped Edelman because of him. I mean, I already yep. might have made a huge mistake. And the Patriots obviously need Edelman. It's just that here's hoping. 
but but it's just that it's a half PPR. Edelman's ceiling is, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like it's so capped in a half PPR. Right. Uh, you mentioned this in passing a little bit, but the uh, it is a bye week in week four. First set, first two teams, only two teams on bye, Redskins and the Panthers. It actually comes at a good time for the Redskins. Adrian Peterson sprained his ankle in the win over the uh, Packers. And, you know, it might not have been serious, but you now you don't have to sweat that this week. You know, it's just, okay, I know I don't have him this week. I can, I can adjust. You don't have to, like, Oh God! Did he practice on Friday? Well, now you get an extra day. I mean, extra week yeah. to figure that part out. That's good. You know, Adrian Peterson. There's probably only half a dozen backs that you would project for more touchdowns on the year than Peterson, right? I mean, you project Elliott and Gurley, and you'd project Barkley, and you'd project Melvin Gordon. But there's not that many backs that you project right now for more. Like, who would you project for more touchdowns at the end of season? David Johnson or Adrian Peterson? And such an absurd, absurd question pre pre draft season, and now it's it's a legitimate question. That's that's where we are right now. I, I mean, put just pretty down, even odds. Say, I'm, I put I'm not even big, saying fantasy value. Just I would say down. they'd be about even odds. Yeah, I think I'd go Peterson. I mean, the, the team is much better, and David Johnson's no more, you know more the goal line back than Peterson is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. By the way, so we've got a couple of uh, – one more injury note before we sign off, by the way. Uh, I wanted to mention, point out, just saw this. Uh, Aqib Tlaib has a high ankle sprain for the Rams out two to four weeks. Although I, I, though it's uh, – you know, there, there's some uh, this discrepancy between Schefter and Rappaport on this. And we'll, we'll, I, I always go Team Schefter if I have to. But I'd rather have Glazer, but he doesn't report on all that stuff until Sundays usually. Um, and Marcus Peters might not make Thursday's game with a cast train. So that could be really dicey. Yeah, well, now we'll see the Rams offense really unleashed, right? Because if the Vikings can move up and down the field, which I don't think it'll be easy with the front that they have, but and the Vikings offensive line's not very good. But if they can move up and down the field, then you're going to see a real shootout. And it'll be a good test because the Vikings defense is good, ostensibly. They couldn't stop Josh Allen, but... I still think they're probably good. That's an interesting, uh, interesting game. Kind of weird timing for it with the injuries to, to the Rams and the Vikings coming off that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really weird timing there. So, well, uh, and really bad timing. I want to see them at full strength. I want to see both teams at full strength. Well, you might have to wait till the playoffs. Yeah, or you might not. Maybe, maybe the Vikings, the Vikings aren't that good. Make, <laughs> I think the Vikings are an at-risk team. Yeah, they they very well could be. So uh, we'll see about that. Um, so that that's the Thursday night game. It's a shame because I, it was one of the the better of the Thursday night games. I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, they have an, a later one. Uh, they they have another uh, standalone game. It's a Sunday night game against the Eagles later in the year too. It won't, won't be a Thursday night one, but also a standalone game. And they have a standalone game against the Chiefs. This is all about the Rams, by the way. I'm talking about when I say they. Oh, uh, Rams Chiefs. That's a good. That's a good. Uh... I didn't realize. I forgot that they actually played each other this year. Yeah, it could be a big game. That's a Monday nighter there, so that could be actually really good. Um, looking forward to seeing some of that, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Any other closing thoughts for this week? Nope. Uh, it was a good week. A little bummed about Survivor, but as I said, I'm going to win the Super Contest, so it's uh, it's no big deal. Yeah, and you still could win Survivor. You just don't get it this week when you had such like gr- incredible equity. So yeah, I got I to gotta earn it like every other nutless monkey out there. I'm there back to go. square one. All right. That wraps up Talking Yang for uh, Episode 6, Week 3 of the NFL season. Thanks for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to us. Uh, you can uh, do iTunes or Stitcher. 
go to rotowire.com slash podcast. You could do that too. Uh, and say nice things about us, please. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week.